Hi, my name is Deborah Ogden and I would like to welcome you to this third season of On Brand With. The idea behind this podcast has always been to bring you into my world of personal brand and impact and hopefully bring it to life through the experiences and stories of me and my guests. One of the things I've learned over the years is that we all have a story to tell and over the coming episodes I'll be chatting to some more people that I know and admire and some that I don't know and I'll be asking them to share their stories and how they use their personal brands to really make an impact. We'll be exploring what best practice looks like in the real world. So let's begin. Some of the feedback I often get on the podcast is I love the variety of guests that you have on Deborah and you know let's face it I have some very different conversations and this week is probably different again. I've actually got two guests on today. They are Ollie Hudson and Joe Marston two friends and two co-founders of digital marketing agency Saw With Us, which they set up in the November before the pandemic and now employ 20 staff and have passed the magic million mark. Now, that all sounds impressive enough, but let me add into this mix that they are just 24 years old. And what I love about working with them both and why I asked them to come on the podcast is their approach to business and their approach to life. Actually, they are very keen to do the right thing. They share so much wisdom in this podcast on failure, on resilience, on self-belief, on purpose and values, but they are also so open to growth, learning as individuals, and they know how to play to their strengths and also recognise and seek help in areas where they can learn. I can't tell you how much I love working with these two. They are great fun and I learn from them every time I work with them, whether it's about TikTok or um, communication. They just bring a different outlook on the business world for me and one that really impresses me. This may be their first podcast, but I promise you we'll be hearing from them a whole lot more in the future. I hope you enjoy the conversation. So where are we now with Saw With Us? You've built this business two years into the pandemic. Where are you now? Yeah, so we've just crossed 20 staff members um, working with around about 75 clients across multiple different industries, um, e-commerce, info products, SaaS, lead generation. Um, What's SaaS? Software as a service. Okay, um, I'm going to be doing this all the way through, aren't I? Pull down some of the terms. Um, So yeah, we're two years and three months in. Um, Started back in November 2019. Bet you didn't have a clue what was coming though. Well, obviously you didn't. It's been a rapid uh, hockey stick-esque in some ways growth. Um, Would you you set up if you'd known what was coming? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think the it's, it's the journey is fun. Like the journey is the goal, really, for us. Like we enjoy the the process of building it, not just the end goal of of like the money almost that most people seem to chase um, the most. Obviously, that's an element of it, but you've got to enjoy what you do. We don't. We both work hard on it every day. So um, yeah, I think we enjoy the process as much as the outcome. Um, yeah, definitely. So you've got 20 staff. How quick did you grow the team? Was it just you two at the first? Yeah, it started with just us two um, in November 2019. We started a little bit before that. I'll let Joe go through that in a minute, but a bit more about the specific journey and getting traction. But from there, we took us a couple of months to get get traction. I think just coming into, we we made our first hire, who was a a friend of ours, first official hire in, in kind of January 2020. Um, was it 2020 or 2021? Yeah, 2020. Yeah, it would no, have been 2021. 2021. 2021. Right. 2021. Yeah. Um, 
So you did a full year without? Yeah, pretty much. We yeah. had uh, yeah. so yeah, full year just we, we, did, we did contractors okay. outsource. We did a lot of other stuff. Um, we we probably needed to hire sooner than we did. Um, in hindsight, we did more of like f- using freelancers. But then from kind of January twenty twenty one, we started bringing people in house. So we hired a, a friend of ours first. Second person we hired was also a mate of ours. Um, <laughs> but we will get onto that side later as well. Um, and then from that, it's just been quite rapid in terms of building that team. So hired another three people this month. Um, just, yeah, quickly adding capacity because that's the, the big challenge for us. Balancing client demand with workload to keep service quality really high, but also give us room to acquire more clients because um, it's not as easy to predict when you're going to get people who are ready to go um, with a service compared to selling a product, which I feel like is a bit easier to forecast your demand versus supply. Um, so yeah, it's been rapid growth. We managed to just squeeze past um, a million pounds in twenty twenty one calendar year, which was good. A nice kind of fantastic. It was what a big a nice goal milestone. for us when we when we, were yeah. try, when we were trying to hit that for the year. So it was nice to hit the goal. And so now we're just going to carry it on through twenty twenty two and see where we can get to at the end of this year. Yeah. So do you think the pandemic has actually helped you get to that goal? I'd yeah. say I'd say yeah, definitely. I mean, our main bread and butter is e-commerce yeah so as soon as the pandemic hit you know everyone was inside people on their phones businesses realized they had to be online for the first time in some scenarios so yeah we had not only existing clients do really really well um i think it beat q4 like the i think it was like march april march time of 2020 now yeah. Trying to think how long it's been going on. <laughs> None of us can quite work it out. Can yeah, we? and it, it it was it was crazy. Like people just buying so much stuff online. So we had existing clients do really really well. We had people coming to us looking for, you know, t- to get their campaigns set up and do their first sort of online marketing. So it's definitely helped. I think the long term now, I guess a year two years on. The negative side effects have started to crop up for a lot of brands, a lot of like supply chain issues. They were, in some cases, immediate side effects, but it's still hurting some brands today. Um, so we've we felt that a bit, and then yeah, everything else with like people now haven't got the hype of being indoors and buying stuff on their phone. It's not quite got the same effect. So yeah, it was positive, but now I think it's maybe. Yeah, not not so great. But. So it's plateaued. Do you, mm. do you think it will drop as well? No, not so much. I think it's just kind of gone back to normal, really. Okay. Um, the normal business trends, business cycles seem to have taken place last year. There wasn't, like, the same sort of spike when we went into that lockdown as the first one. Yeah. Um, the novelty's gone a bit, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's just meant that it's just continued the same sort of growth. Obviously, I accelerated online growth by about probably five, ten years, but I think now it's just as it would have been. Um, we're still getting loads of clients coming to us, still getting loads of good results for clients. It's just a case of now more competition online it means yeah. you have to have a better business to make it work. People are building on it as well, aren't they? Because, I mean, I know, I, as we've talked about before, I had to respond to the pandemic because all my fa- work was face-to-face, so I had to develop an online product. Mm-hmm. And um, But I haven't stopped doing that. that. That's meant that I've adapted my business model and will continue to grow on that. So I assume that's happened with a lot of your clients as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the people who are native to online just had bumper bumper periods. And then set the bar very high, which you then have to try and surpass. So there's a bit of expectation management that was that, that you have to do going into this year. I think, um, just just be like it's not always going to be lockdown, COVID, huge online growth every single month. Um, but that's all part of the challenge. But yeah, there's a lot of people who have to adapt. To exactly that. More more like service based, face to face businesses, events. Gym, mm. Early pandemic, we obviously had to. We worked with a few gyms and. Okay. Obviously, that's a big challenge. A lot of them had to do online portals. People still wanting to exercise. Um, I don't think we'll hopefully never have a period like that again. But it it definitely was. It was. Um, it, you had to adapt very quickly, so it was quite fast moving and, and quite fun in some ways to to work through that. I think, and obviously provided us with a great launch pad to to grow. Yeah. Um, so you'd have found yourself then, as well as providing the service. I suppose you you virtually 
are you finding yourself hand-holding and coaching some of the founders through this? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think uh, we, we definitely do that now as well. It, it happens more so with kind of more, what you'd call more traditional business niches, I think, the ones that, that aren't e-commerce founders or, or those people who have started something as more of a passion project than being like an e-commerce operator who knows about the industry, knows the inner workings of it, knows like logistics, 3PL, all these supply the supply side stuff as well. Um, but even with those, you'll find that a lot of them don't know like what KPIs to be optimizing around, what's good performance, what's bad performance, like what the roadmap should be to hit the targets they're hitting. Like it's it's very much like a the industry used to be just throw some Facebook ads up and make money. And since like privacy started to come around, it's now much more of like we need to take a holistic look at how you're actually going to grow this business. Like you need to acquire customers, you need to give them a good experience, you need to keep them, um, and you need to provide like growth in that way. For, so we, yeah, we're trying to move more and more towards like e-commerce consultancy, I guess, and general online consultancy. Um, I was chatting with Matt in the office yesterday, and we, I think we were thinking of the term like outsourced CMO is what we want to be, like someone where they can kind of lean on us for decisions, and which a lot of them don't have that internally, so yeah. Yeah, because um, I don't know, it might might be obvious to other people, but a lot of the people that listening won't have um, won't won't have online businesses, and you tend to think of custom service and, and you know customer expectation, but often you don't think about that customer service quite the same in an online situation as you do in a face to face, and I would have thought that's a really great opportunity for your clients to stand out. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. Yeah, it just kind of kind of depend really. I mean, we've we've really focused on client quality over the past specifically 6 months. Um so we could get those clients to stand out even more because it's it's meant I mean, not only covid changes with iOS algorithms, all that stuff <laughs> has meant that it's just made it harder to like a few years ago, you could just sell anything online and you don't have to have good branding. You just had to have the ability to launch some Facebook ads. And people probably remember seeing like loads of rubbish ads on their newsfeed all the time. And it's it's meant that now the quality of the business, how well they engage with their audience, how well they then provide value to their audience and customers after that initial purchase has, has become more and more important. So it's kind of positioned us as well in a way to which is a good thing focus on higher quality clients um yeah because i would have thought a lot of the people in your space are when i say just are, are delivering the facebook ads you know delivering the the strategy like that but to be able to add that more holistic approach to it um it allows them i mean one of the things um I was thinking about when I was, I was driving up, you know, do you actually say to them, well, actually, I wouldn't I wouldn't go on Facebook. I think Twitter would be better for you or TikTok, because certainly when, as you know, from discussions we've had, for me, it's about knowing where your audience hang out and you have to have that clarity of who they are and where they are. So is that the, do you go to that depth with them as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I, I think this is this kind of two ways to look at it. I do think every business has an audience on most social platforms, but there's always a better way to attack things. Like there's, I'd always say like prioritize certain channels first, depending on what niche you're in. So if you're something like an insurance broker who's going after like these these 10 to 15 big decision makers in a certain niche or a certain industry, then you're not, you're not gonna get those people by running a load of Facebook ads. You're gonna to wanna to go to like LinkedIn or something. Um, same with like, higher ticket, high intent products. Um, I'm trying to think of an example, maybe like engagement rings where you, where if you're looking for it, you, you really, you know what you're looking for. That's more, probably more of a Google mm. avenue, but for Do Facebook. people buy engagement rings online? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do they? Yeah, yeah we work with a, a US based company that sells like yeah, 20,000 pound, $20,000 rings and we sell them through Facebook ads. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Facebook and, and TikTok and everything rely more so on like impulse decisions. That's where we most of our clients would lie. So like clothing, jewelry, things where you look at it and you like the the content that you put in front of someone strikes up like a an emotion or mm-hmm. um, 
something in the brain that makes them want that item. Like either either it solves a problem, it, it has a particular benefit to them. Those are the pro- products that we can really scale up through Facebook. Um, I think there are yeah some people come to us who don't kind of fit that lane, and we do have to advise them to go elsewhere. Do you find you have trends then? Because I know just before Christmas, I think you and I were having a conversation, Ollie, around the mystery football. Football shirt boxes, yeah. and I was saying my, my son loves them, so I bought them. And it, and again, you know, there are so many out there, and it's how you choose the right one. So, do you find there are trends that come through? I thought that would be a trend that company. I thought it would do really well in the gifting season, but then the last, co- literally yesterday, he had his record revenue day. So All sometimes right. he can surprise you. They really can. Um, <laughs> there are trends in there, though. Like you'll see loads of Valentine's companies will do. It'll pop yeah. up over the Valentine's period. They'll sell things for six weeks, and then they'll disappear again until next year. Mm. And they'll kind of make all of their money for a year in a, in a three to four, five week period. Um, so there are undoubtedly trends. We try and st- I, I guess for us, we're trying to move. Those wouldn't be ideal clients, I don't think. We want to be working with the people who can kind of really grow, um, scale over time. And obviously, if you're tied to seasonal trends or short term trends, it makes that a little bit more diff- difficult. But yeah. Another client we work with is a really is a, is a fairly big sunglasses brand. They obviously have seasonality. You can insulate against that by targeting like Australia a little bit, but for them we bring it just it's just about broadening product offering, doing like blue light blocking glasses. There's okay. there's usually ways to approach those problems, I guess you call of trends, um, and come up with like an uh, an interesting solution or like a marketing solution, I guess, to it if you can angle it correctly. Um, and still still sell things you see I found that really interesting I suppose that's me with my marketing background but I feel like you've you've sort of developed a product there that you know I always say to my clients exceed people's expectation and that sort of brought you know suggestion of broadening their strategy is that something that you actually I can't I mean I've you know I've obviously I've looked at your website and and I've got to know you that isn't something that you openly sell but is that something that everybody gets that it's just part of working with you Yeah we used to we used to kind of just do it without thinking about it yeah. we're now trying to more include it as part of a service offering so when we're speaking to business owners which is kind of like my role in the agency so I'll do all the sales calls um or majority of them will run through like a five stage system that we have um and stage three no stage two is go on tell us you tell us your five stage (laughs) system i'm gonna put you on the spot stage one is uh, basically just a spreadsheet that we ask people to plug all their costs into because a lot of people wouldn't have an idea of surprisingly their costs so we ask them when you know if you spend a thousand pound when you're profitable that some people just don't know so we tried to work that out and then we do what we call like bottleneck audit or throughput maximization analysis to give it a fancy name. It's basically yeah. what you said there. We look at their whole, their whole strategy, the overall website, social media, and just see if there's any parts of the, the whole process that could be messing people up. Sometimes people just have a really rubbish checkout process. Right. And okay. if people listening, you know, have experienced that, if it loads too slow or too many steps, you're just going to, you know, click you away, aren't you? you? Yeah. Exactly. Um, then we try and ensure that we understand like brand voice so it's looking at how they speak to their audience so that we can really make sure that when we publish campaigns it relates to their audience and then we set up the funnel which is all the technical stuff mm-hmm. um, and then we have a bonus stage which is what we call like free money which is basically using email marketing to multiply people's revenues um, but yeah we we used to just kind of do it and then we were like Okay, maybe maybe this is really, really valuable. We'll try and actually firstly just highlight we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And actually recently this week, we've actually been offered just to do that as a service, like an audit yeah. of, of a whole. We're working with this, uh, or about to work with this cool tax benefit app, and they just want us to do an audit. So, yeah, a lot of the time people just want some advice and some guidance, which makes sense. So, so this makes me smile because I'm sat here... Um, more than twice your age and I'm looking at you and you've got people approaching you to give you that guidance so so how old are you both if you don't mind me both 24 both 24 so you're here and you've been on this rapid growth the business is growing 
where did your inspiration to get this come from? Because I know you were both at school together, weren't you? So yeah. even at school, were you plotting to do this sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, we'll do a bit of an origin story. Um, me and Ollie have known each other since like year seven, year eight. Pretty close friends, kind of similar like friendship groups, but not exactly. But we'd always meet up on like a, a pound of pint in, uh, in York when that used to be a thing. And, um, what, when you were year seven? <laughs> not year seven, but, you know, throughout, when we got to sort of 18, yeah. obviously people kind of separate a bit, go to uni, I went travelling, so we didn't see each other as much. Um, Ollie went off to uni a year before me, ended up having a pretty successful uh, business partnership with one of our current clients, um, selling like clothing online, e-commerce brand. Um, I tried to do the same thing you know we kind of messaged and and told each other about doing stuff I was just completely jealous that he managed to do this at university I was working what was I doing work at the students union pulling pints at 4am <laughs> wasn't a very nice situation um and I'll let Ollie go into that a bit more but basically that went really well for him um for a while yeah for a while <laughs> uh and then he managed he stayed at uni so did I and then in my final year, I was in an internship at an investment bank, which is what I also wanted to do. The only valuable thing I really got with that experience is knowing that I didn't want to do that. Which, valuable uh, experience, though, at that yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. suddenly my whole life plan had turned on its head. After, like, six months of doing that internship, I literally told my manager that I'm not interested in, in staying here. So... I just think sometimes that decision not to do something is, I mean, I did this with, with law in that, you know, to actually, when you get on a path to do something mm -hmm. and then actually make that decision sometimes to say, no, I'm not doing this, I'm not going with the flow. Was that a really conscious thing that you made and thought, I'm, I'm going to change because that's a really mm. powerful thing to do at, at that age? It was, yeah, it was really just getting to me, sort of mentally working there because I really didn't enjoy it. It was... I feel like investment banking is glorified and I was in like, I would say the the worst role within investment banking. You have front office, which is like your Wolf of Wall Street stuff, middle office, which is, I guess, a little bit less glamorous than back office, which is basically like IT and the technical stuff. And I was in back office because I didn't do that well at university, um, did all right. But basically, I was just putting stuff into spreadsheets and doing emails all day. Okay. And so it, you could have been doing that anywhere, yeah. actually. And yeah. I was sat there thinking that I could, you know, I was getting paid the same at like a part-time job that I loved. People doing the same as me were earning like twice as more, twice as much. I always heard you to look at your manager, and that's where you'll be. And he was living for the weekend and wasn't in great shape and everything. And I just thought, I don't want to do this. Um, it's not worth it, is it? Five yeah. days five days of that for two days at the weekend. Exactly, yeah. So I, I kind of trudged along for a bit and then eventually it was just like, I'm just going to actively, yeah, consciously choose to not do this. <laughs> wow. I'll put, put as little effort in as possible and then spend all my free time trying to do some sort of online business. Um, and then, yeah, we kept, we kept chatting and catching up and we then... Met up a few times when I went to see my girlfriend in Newcastle. We tried to launch a first like an eco-friendly like e-commerce brand, and then that didn't really do anything. And then we tried to launch a bikini brand. Because, Where did that come from? Because <laughs> we basically looked at like Chinese manufacturers. I didn't expect that. I've chatted yeah, you, it's a, it's to you both for the last it's six months. It's a funny months. little backstory. Um, we were looking for like low cost trend on trend marketing opportunities something that went if you if you if we went for it would be well what we thought well, nothing is easy but what we thought would be easier to market like on check google trends check that it's on an up up upwards kind of spiral um and we picked those two uh, but we also had literally like no money between yeah. us to put into it so it was like in hindsight it was a stupid idea because we had no money to invest in any stock or any ads <laughs> yeah so we we kind of did you actually launch it? Did you yeah, get that far? It was called Swimplicity. Yeah. If anyone wants Great to try day. and see if it's there. <laughs> Great yeah, it was pretty good. But we, we sent a few free bikinis to like influencers and stuff. And uh it just yeah, it just didn't work. We didn't have I don't think we had like the right 
obviously industry insight we'd never worn a bikini before uh, so i mean just I've, yeah. I've just been listening on the way up uh to the how to fail podcast and um they've actually got stephen bartlett on it today which oh, is nice. which yeah. is interesting i only got halfway through it but you know we all talk about don't we you know there's no no such thing as failure we learn from failure and you can't have success without failing. Did you learn both of you from that failure? I bet you learned so much, mm. did you? Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, that we learned that we needed to find a business that required no cash to start. <laughs> On minimal investment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, I guess, stick to what you're good at was the other thing we learned, which is basically how we decided to start the marketing agency. Um, Ollie's role within his successful econ brand at uni was basically like all the marketing I'd had the sales experience he's like right I can speak to people Ollie can then do everything after that let's see how it goes and that's basically how it started so what were you doing at this point then so you created this with somebody else had you yeah I created it with a he he was the person who got me into like the e-commerce online entrepreneurial space Um, somebody you were at university with a friend called Matt Um, he's got he's yeah pretty successful in the e-commerce space as well but we set up a, a clothing brand back back in that though back in kind of 2018 2017 it was really easy to sell things through facebook it was very uncompetitive it was very new in terms of digital advertising so um, we were selling kind of hoodies jeans just like on trend clothing um and we scaled it quite a lot with we 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 thought we were kind of the big men bought an office that was well rented an office that was far too big for the business um, tried to move it from non-branded to branded. So tried to brand the products up, order them in bulk across to the UK and put them into a fulfillment centre. Got the pricing on the shipping across completely wrong. Also got absolutely slammed by Chinese New Year because we didn't know that all the factories shut down for a month over there. So we wow. had a customer service nightmare. Um, but yeah, so that, that that kind of went from high highs to low lows of nothing um, but there's a lot of learning experiences from that yeah learn how to build an e-commerce brand the, the, the ecosystem around it learn a lot from Matt um, learn how to run Facebook ads so I think that yeah as you say like how to fa- failing properly is important I think being reflective on something that doesn't work quitting things at the right time is yeah. something that mo- a lot of people have an issue with like they'll stick yeah. I think admitting that something isn't the right path to pursue, even if you've sunk quite a lot of time and resource into it, can can be a long-term, massive, massively important and beneficial decision. So as long as you're kind of reflecting on anything you fail upon, and we still do that now, I think, like if we ever end a relationship with anybody, it's important to kind of look at what went wrong, where and why, could we have done anything better? Um, but yeah, we, we've, we obviously, I think we've both tried a lot of different things and abandoned them and then found our way to what we do now which is more of like a start by trading time for money instead of trying to spend money getting something started which most people can do Mm. most people have some form of expertise or can learn something that they could then go and sell to businesses or people um, in exchange for some initial money to get going and have you both kept those clear roles within the business then it wasn't it wasn't so clear starting out to be honest I suppose you'd have to do everything because we didn't have clients for him to fulfill really so we were, we were literally in his uh, in his garage slash bedroom in the like the summer end of summer 2019, doing. I think I remember splitting the day up where I'd do 20 cold calls and 20 emails, and he'd do like 20 Facebook messages, 20 uh, DMs on Instagram, and that's what we did for like a month. Did you no know it could work though? Did you always believe mm. believe in yourself? Yeah, I we kind of. Yeah. Oh, we definitely believe in ourselves. Back to, yeah. yeah, back well, yourself. Mainly, we we bought into one of those sort of. You see the ads for like gurus and courses online. Mm-hmm. We succumbed to to one, and uh, it worked. I mean, it was a really good investment. We had to get a PayPal loan to get the course, but it worked. Um, that's basically what we'd spent the summer doing, like trying to work out what we should try and do, whether it was e-commerce or that. We bought that course after like two months of struggling, no results. Um, I'd had a few meetings here and there, but didn't get anyone over the line properly. And then that course gave us a bit of a structure. Um, and was it the structure and the process that you took from it more than the ideas, would you say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was just having that, like, do this and then do that kind of thing. I think the fine-tuning. Um, 
Mm. Yeah, I think we both believe that. Again, I think a lot of pe- people should realise more that if someone can do something, most of the time you can also do it. Like they're not that much different to you. You can just yeah. have to. They've just done the work and done the boring things over and over and over again until now, they get Ollie, the Now, Ollie, I'm just going to interrupt you. You ne- that word nearly. There's a word that you use over yeah, and over like again. That relentless word. Yeah, yeah. You've got to kind of relentlessly work on the thing you want to do. Um, so I think, yeah, we both believed that, and we both, we just both just did did it. Like we we spent like a month of doing the same sending. I was at one point I was sending about 150 Instagram DMs to businesses a day. Yeah. Joe was cold calling like 50 to 60 a day, and it's just repetition. You get better at each task, not just like the overall your overall business doesn't get better you get better at each like small thing within that so you get better at you will learn what works for the dms you learn what to say on the cold calls you learn what people respond to on your emails and it's just that process of iteration over time that gets you Mm. that we started to get traction then the course the course told us as much of what to do as what not to do so we got rid of a load of things that were wasting time um and that kind of really kicked things on i think gave us a bit more of a structure which was good yeah, See, one sh- of the things I sorry, Joe. It's one right. of the things that I noticed about you two when we were first introduced, the person who introduced us said, "Oh, they tend to communicate by WhatsApp rather than email." <laughs> now, for somebody that's been around as long as I have, you know, email was a big deal at the first <laughs> when it first came out. Never mind. And is that a conscious decision? Because you know, everybody complains that the inboxes are you know clogged up do you find the whatsapp is just so much more instant and that is a conscious decision to be more productive yeah, yeah i say so i think so i think we've done it with clients as well like mm-hmm. we use it we use a thing called slack which yeah. some of the yeah. listeners might be like this i call it like the whenever, whenever i try and get people on it i always say it's the the whatsapp for business which is a bit easier to use um i just find messaging apps easier like the voice note functions are easier to yeah. explain things um, it's a bit more responsive. It's a lot, you can you can share things easier. I feel like the, I lose things in my inbox all the time. Most yeah. people's inbox is full of either, especially in the industry we're in, it's full of people trying to get their business. So it's like loads of us pitching to them. Yeah. So it's easy to lose things. Whereas I think the, the chats are a little bit more personal, so it just works better for us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I hate doing like, hey Deborah, and then best yeah. regards you. I hate that. So <laughs> it's just like text removes it. And, Short and sharp into the point. I'm a a serial double texter as well, so (laughs) it's just easy to just... Because I always send an email, then I'm like, oh, I meant to put that in. I can't double email. Yeah. I could double text, it's fine. (laughs) So I've just sat here thinking, so you are only... You're less than... You're nine years older than my son. And I'm thinking, what were your parents, what were your family thinking when you were... Did Have they always backed you or were they sat there going, <laughs> when are you going to get a proper job? Yeah, I think my parents thought I was a drug dealer for a while or something. They just were just like, what is this? It doesn't make sense. What is marketing? All this kind of stuff. And I still, they still don't really know what it is. But because um, I was going to drop out of uni, I said to myself, if I'm earning more than I was earning on my internship by... October which is when I went back after summer break I was going to drop out and it was like a few hundred pound a month less so I was like on the cusp and then had a chat and my parents funded all my uni I was there like four years at that point they didn't really understand what I was doing so I stuck it out for them just because otherwise I probably wouldn't have spoken to them again (laughs) Um, but yeah it did take some time and having to show them like this company pays us money and yeah. like here's the bank account look um, before they realised that it was kind of real yeah. and then mum was like okay maybe uni you know isn't as important as, as we tried to tell you but yeah. yeah how about yours mine was the same I was I was working out there garage that converted <laughs> garage it was literally a box room um, and yeah they were just like yeah when are you going to get a proper job um <laughs> which we laugh about a lot now, to be honest. But I think parents, well, I think the generation above us, A, don't understand the internet and how many barriers it removes and the opportunity there. Mm-hmm. And and B, are, are quite risk averse, which I think comes from the generation above them, mm-hmm. which usually, which who, who always were taught to kind of go, go get the nine to five, go the secure route, get a house, get a mortgage, grow a family that way. And I think as society's changed so rapidly, so so is the need to kind of take that path. But 
you can't really blame them for that if that's what they, the narrative they've been brought up with. Um, yeah, it's and they always want the best for you as well. So it's like the, the risk averse in your interest. Like they don't want you to take huge risky decisions. But yeah. your twenties are for taking risky decisions. Like when you've not got any responsibility or cost associated to you, then why not take the risks and then? Yeah, it's really easy when you're the other side of it. I can remember what I was doing in my twenties, and I absolutely see that. But now I'm the other side of it <laughs> with a fourteen-year-old. I'm thinking. <laughs> maybe not uh yeah and and even things like and god this sounds so ancient but you know i remember getting my first mobile phone but also things like owning so the difference between owning cds and spotify or apple music and and it is just such a different mindset shift isn't it that we were used to things and products and items where that ownership isn't the same for your generation it's happening again like it, yeah, i feel like that's not going to stop like the next of that which is like mo- most people might turn off when they hear the words but like cryptocurrency nfts <laughs> then you have like virtual reality ar i feel like that's going to be the exact same as it was for that generation it's another thing that you either have to take time to learn and i haven't yet but i intend to i know joe's much more joe's more of a, a, a <laughs> um, thing isn't it? yeah but like that is going to be change the way the society works, um, whether people like it or not, whether it's for the better or for the worse, it's definitely going to happen. And um, I think it's you've got to make a conscious effort to kind of absorb yourself in the space to learn and and try and get ahead of that curve. Because if you do, then there's obviously the opportunities there because there's knowledge gaps and there's skill gaps that you can fill. Um, I think that's a really good point. I can remember the first time somebody tried to explain Bitcoin to me and I was just like, what? No, this isn't for me. Um, but then the more you hear about, and I know you've set up a TikTok channel mm. all about your cryptocurrency, haven't you, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Joe? But, um, and I'll share all the links at the end of in the episode notes so people can log on and, and check in on them. But... Yeah, you get to a point where all of a sudden you think, actually, I'm going to get left behind if I don't do this. So on that note, and again, my 14-year-old son was mortified when I mentioned this, Hmm. but what about TikTok then? Because I know a lot of people listening will be absolutely on LinkedIn. Most of them will be on Facebook, maybe Instagram. But, you know, TikTok and video is not going away, is it? So... uh, Go on, tell me what we should know about TikTok and where it's going. <laughs> Which one? Yeah, I'll go. Are you I going for that one, Joe? It's just just got to think about how fast like Instagram became a mm. almost a necessity in everyone's lives, and um, you know the people that were on there even a year before others, if whether it's business, whether it's personal, they're the ones that have just so far ahead of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a space for it in business? Yeah, absolutely. You'd be surprised mm-hmm. if you start using it more. You'd probably be surprised how many, how many of your listeners have actually tried it. Mm-hmm. It's very addicting platform. Yeah. It is very, I think it's amazing. I think sometimes I prefer to just watch TikToks than watch TV. Some, you don't realise how many funny people there are in the world until you're on TikTok. But also business, like if you go on there and you engage with business hashtags and business accounts, You'd be surprised. Some of the stuff I've learned from TikTok is incredible. There's so many higher level people on there. It's really good for sort of if, you know, younger people on there trying to gain knowledge about business. There's a lot of people on there that that publish stuff around that. And then also, yeah, if you can have a a strong organic presence on there as a business now, you know, in two or three years, you're going to be so far ahead of your competition. I'd encourage anybody in business to really seriously thought thinking about going on TikTok yeah and what sort of thing is that is that um what I would call the teach stuff the you know here's five tips to develop your personal brand or is it behind the scenes this is me recording a podcast with Ollie and Joe from Saw I think or is it a mix uh yeah a mix I think you've got to experiment you've got to test different things the way it works is the more the more content you consume on TikTok the more it gets to know you as a person and the more relevant content it shows you um so yeah after you've been on there for a week it might it may seem a bit random at first but after a week of using the platform you'll find a feed that's very tailored to you and not everybody else is seeing the same thing or i'd I'd probably say no one is it would be very unique um so yeah i think for the business application like every business needs attention before anything else like you need eyeballs on what you're doing whether they're the right getting the right eyeballs is the next step Mm -hmm. but 
it, there's no better place right now to do that. Um, it's the the key to content is is making it engaging. Like the the platform is built around keeping people on it, so they want watch time, they want comments, they want they want people engaging with what you're posting. So if you can get people to do that, which starts by just being interesting, make your content interesting. Everybody does a lot of things in the day that probably seem very mundane and boring to them, but if you actually flip it and get in the content mindset, then you'll be able to make some videos around it. Um, we have clients who make like packaging order videos, um, <laughs> like journey from like start to where they, where they started, where they got to now, um, all sorts of things like that work really well. Um, so it's not all the silly dances, which no, no. I would think a lot of my audience probably think it is. <laughs> 100% no. Uh, and you, you'd be surprised like how many, if you make a video, you can easily get a million views. Like there's never been a platform Instagram, you can't do that. Instagram's yeah. very follower-based. It's a slow, steady growth path. It's pretty much pay-to-win now in terms of getting a big following. Yeah. Whereas TikTok is literally, it rewards content. Like If your content's good, you'll hit the algorithm and you'll get a million views um, or like a, multiple, a big multiple of views. Um, there's loads of business people on there as well, yeah. One I watch quite a lot is called Alex Amosi, if you want to see an example of like a high-level business operator who's... He owns like a, he's just sold one of his companies for $46 million at like 31, I think. Like wow. he, he's all in on TikTok at the moment. So he's a good example of someone to, to take reference from, I think, if you're a business operator. Just start putting stuff out there, basically. Yeah. I've had two videos get over a million views for really no apparent reason. The only thing I can see is that a lot, they get a lot of comments and they, they get watched like throughout is the main thing but what but, you mean they watch the whole video yeah so one of them so not was just scrolling past you yeah one yeah. of them was quite a long a long video but it's like 60 seconds which is like the long <laughs> one of the longest you, you see this do. is a whole education in itself exactly yeah. it, might, it might have been a bit longer because they introduced three minute videos but basically it was show it was based on cryptocurrency it was basically showing people how to find what rich people are investing in with this website and Obviously, I was showing people the process of how to do that, so they had to keep watching to learn it. So, you know, grab them at the start. Yeah, so if you've got, got them, they're yeah, going to... Yeah. yeah, whereas the other one was of, like, a health tips account as well, just because we're trying to just set up some presence on there. And it was quite a controversial thing. It was about, like, mouth breathing and like how okay. that can change your face structure. It's so really weird. Go look into it. Um, but basically, it was people coming like, this is a load of rubbish. Other people like, no... I always breathe through my mouth and my, my <laughs> face is shaped weird. And there was just like loads of people going crazy in the comments. And I just replied back, and that's really important on TikTok. You need to get people replying back. So I always try and get someone to reply back to so ask them a question. So yeah, I just replied. Social engagement. I was just, it? yeah, completely yeah. fishing for people to reply back. And um, people start, you know, going back and forth. And it, yeah, a million views in like a few days. Um, didn't get much followers on that one, but on the cryptocurrency one, it took me from like 2,000 followers to 40,000 in like a few days. Wow. Which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. So, right, okay. but I think the one thing to consider is that, so TikTok obviously wants people to get onto the platform. So mm. part of its algorithm will kind of choose videos to, to go viral randomly. Because then if you're not on TikTok and you see your friends or you see your business associates, randomly going viral you know you're going to go on tiktok yeah so that that's not going to yeah. be around forever that that sort of feature of the algorithm so you might as well use it now where one of your videos that's not got much thought put into it can go viral for no reason we, we see yeah. it a lot I've, I've had friends i've told them to get on there and they just had videos go crazy for no reason See that that's really interesting. This is a conversation for another day. But one of the challenges that I find with my clients is, and this is a generation thing again. You've grown up with video, so you're quite happy just to talk into your phone mm. or and, and just post. Whereas I know, you know, when I think of my Impact Club members, we were joking, we were laughing about it yesterday. If I ask them what's your biggest challenge doing video, <laughs> you know, that the, there is just that fear of it, and I think that is a real generation thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I'm not a huge fan of video. It's something that I've got to overcome over the next few m months as we put more out. But content is moving more towards raw content. In, in terms of what we get success with on ads and organic, it's face-to-camera, human-led, yeah. iPhone-filmed content. So it doesn't. I, I'd say 
making this studio production is a waste of time. Just get it out, mm-hmm. get it out, start start learning the process, start getting better at it. You're gonna, it's gonna take you six months to get good at it anyway. Even if you, so you might as well start now and get that six months out of the way early. Um, <laughs> everybody has to go through that process, um, regardless of if you, if even the people who have got millions of millions of followers will have gone through that process and now they seem really natural. It's like second nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I just agree like one with of those that. things you have to do. Yeah, and I think that that way you're getting the authenticity as well. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, your personal brand, people are buying into you, yeah. and you, you can spot even on the video, and that's the big issue with Instagram or whatever, isn't it? Filters, etc. It's so filtered, but with TikTok, it feels a bit more raw. It yeah. feels a bit more real. And um, one of the things you, you talked about. Um, the guy there that has inspired you but I know this is something certainly Ollie and I we've we've talked about is people who've inspired you over this this journey if you like um who who are your sort of top three people your podcast that you listen to Ollie um yeah I have different people for different things I feel like it's always worth trying to find the people who are the best in what they do or the best in their lane and like even though they might be at the top of an industry they're usually good at one or two things not everything within that mm. business um so obviously there's like Stephen Bartlett who grew a massive massive social media agency very similar to us so he's obviously some someone to look towards can I just ask you have you heard his one with Johan Hari talking about focus at the moment and TikTok and that I haven't I haven't watched too many yeah. of his podcasts too much stuff to watch yeah. too <laughs> much to listen to too much um, to watch absolutely it's worth a listen though having had the conversation we've just had definitely um so there's him I watch a lot of Andy Frisella who's a very controversial US based yes entrepreneur I've fallen out with you on this one because you got me onto this <laughs> and uh well he's quite quite a character isn't he but he's is it is it 75 hard or hard 75 yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, he does a challenge, which Ollie told me about. And, uh, well, I managed it for two weeks, which I thought I was doing quite well. I nearly killed myself. I I failed it again. Uh, (laughs) His whole thing is like, that challenge is around like mentality and his his whole push is becoming, um, holding yourself accountable, becoming like mentally tough first, which is like the foundation for being successful in anything. He's like believing in yourself, having like, the ability to focus on things, holding yourself accountable, striving to get better, growing as a person as much as like a business, regardless if you're in business or if you have a career, like it should be a goal to get better at things. Um, so it's all very foundational. I always, it always gets, it's very like, if you're not feeling too motivated or driven on a day, then you listen to him and it's just how it kind of gets you going. Um, kind of, it's just like, oh, cut, stop moaning, like just, just get, <laughs> get on it with it. Um, so I find that his podcast, quite transformational listen to him when I first started I've listened to pretty much every episode he's ever released he's about a thousand in now um it's just really good I would recommend it to anyone it's not it's not everyone's cup of tea but to get a massive audience you tend to not you tend to need to be somewhat divisive and not just down the middle um so yeah he, he's one um there's some more niche ones like Sam Ovens is really good for kind of he, he's someone I watch loads of business around like business systems and internal processes um, those are probably three off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah. What about you, Joe? Who's inspired you? What inspires you? <clears throat> yeah, they're constantly changing. Um, <laughs> right now, it would be Alex Amosi, which Ollie mentioned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's just, I don't know, he's just really simplistic in the way that he translates his business knowledge. It's, it's almost like you kind of listen, you're like, oh, that's obvious, but then yeah. you listen you, and then... Because if you do what he says, it works. He's got a really good book. That I was thinking that the other day. He speaks with just an incredible amount of clarity on very okay. complex topics. He yeah. distills it. And I always feel like that's a sign of someone who's very knows their stuff. Like when yeah. you can explain something very complex in the most simple terms that's very exe- that you can then take and use. It doesn't hold yeah. back at all as well. Like I think literally his Twitter header is, I'm not trying to sell you anything or I have nothing to sell you or something. He just shares all of the knowledge he gave he priced his book the cheapest he could price on amazon like allowed to buy them you could get it free everywhere um apart from amazon yeah he's just really good Uh, he's young he's in the same space as us Uh, another guy similar sort of space alex becker he he's quite big on youtube he's just one of those other guys that's just really switched on in the same sort of space, just build loads of really successful online brands, um, a lot of valuable YouTube videos. 
Uh, it's brilliant that they are giving that out. You know, there is so much on YouTube, isn't there, these yeah. days? Um, but, you know, it's brilliant that these people who have been there, done it, you know, being successful are, are willing to give back. And I know that's something, I'm conscious of time, you're, you're both busy, but it's two things that I wanted to ask you about and, a, and sort of a passion for both of you. I know one of your things, Joe, is giving back and perhaps I know we've talked about you maybe going in schools and you've inspired other people coming through. Is that something that, you know, is a big part of your, yeah. you going forward? Yeah, all honestly, it's, in all honesty, it's not something we or I have um, managed to do much of um, as much as I'd like to. I think it's always one of those things that, I don't know, just because it's not urgent, kind of gets pushed aside. I'd always try and, you know, give to friends when doing like the charity runs and stuff impossible. But going forward, I want to really focus on making the business, um, you know, more about giving back. We want to set up like charitable partnerships a goal of mine has always been to eventually get to a point where we have like a peter jones academy style thing where we find people from disadvantaged backgrounds and basically take them through the basics of business because i always think i'm just so lucky to be you know coming from a good family white male english i thought you were drug dealing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just think the, the fact that i have all those things naturally has yeah. given me a mass advantage and i'm very aware of that and i know there's people that have none of that and it's just unfortunately the way society works so yeah I think that's a big focus for us just really trying to find people with potential that don't have the opportunity Um, we just need to focus more on it I think this year and one of the things that I suppose leads on nicely is one of the things I know we've talked about Ollie is that culture thing and we touched on it earlier about a lot of the people that you've employed are actually friends so you know where where does that all sit with you I know culture is a massive thing for you and you've talked about your values what are what is the culture at SOAR and how's that sat with bringing in people you know and working with friends yeah, we've got quite a few. We're, we're trying to get away from it because we're running out of mates. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, we've we've hired quite a few people we know are within our network. Um, I think that comes down to hiring because we hire for culture first pr- before skill set because it's you can train someone on a skill but you can't teach someone's te- you can't change someone's temperament over time. Um, they either have they they're, they're of a certain ilk or they're not that in terms of aligning with certain values and 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 traits in from a mindset perspective um so yeah we made that a really big part of our hiring process so and we've hired a number of of friends as a result and trained them on on kind of what we provide as a service what are your values um so we have like four core culture values um one's extreme ownership which is the idea which is pioneered by an an ex-navy seal called jocko willink who's actually got a podcast he's 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 someone i've listened to a lot of content around which is the idea that every like you're in control of every outcome you're responsible Mm -hmm. for everything that kind of happens to you which is very that's the extreme way to look at it that doesn't mean that you should know everything or you have to provide the solution to everything it's like if you do have a problem, it's your responsibility to go and ask questions that can lead to a solution or you can bring the right person in to help you. Um, so, yeah, it's not as extreme as it sounds. Uh, second one is quality, which is just like how we do ev- One thing is how we do everything. We want to make sure that everybody that we work with is getting the best quality of service. Um, no one's kind of treated as subordinate to someone else. Um, third would be... Uh, profit which is sounds sounds like some people may kind of scoff at that one but it's you've got to I feel like when we bring people into business you have to make them very aware that no matter how good a relationship is with a client if we don't make them money they're going to leave us anyway so that's got to, got to be at forefront of mind and very intentional and then the final one is probably the biggest which is like personal happiness like the idea that we only want people to be here if we want them to be here um and we try and run the business very top down so like we give everybody the platform to succeed like we try we do a lot of like reviews a lot of um very intentional with the way we onboard people um, very intentional with the way we kind of help them pursue their goals as well as our goals because the ultimate i feel like happiness is the foundation for like good performance for most people if they're not enjoying something they don't want to be there Mm. Um, they're not gonna. They're not gonna perform at the best, and they're not gonna go the extra mile. And then you, then we find people 
without being asked, messaging clients at like 9pm on Slack, which is not something we'd ever make someone do, but it's because they're enjoying what they do and they, they want to continue to build those relationships. Um, and we've, we'd really see, I think, building client base, keeping clients, retaining clients, growing the business is revenue is one thing, but also keeping people. Uh, the job market's horrible at the moment in many industries. Um, so you don't want to be churning staff and having to go through a big hiring process, training people up from scratch again if you've put a lot of time into that individual and they've put a lot of time into you. Yeah. I can't remember, is it Branson? Somebody said that it's not about looking after your clients, it's about looking after your staff, because if yeah. you look after your client, uh, look after your staff, then they'll look after your clients and customers yeah, for we, you. Yeah, we sell people at the end of the day, I guess, yeah. or we sell yeah. people's time. We sell that and to expertise. other businesses and expertise, yeah. yeah. So the more we can nurture that, the better the people we have become, the more we, we, we can add value to people's businesses yeah. and the better experience they have. So. One thing that I admire about you in the, you know, I feel like I've learned a lot from you two in the way that you, you conduct your business. But one thing I admire about you is that you're not frightened to actually say, you know, this is something I don't know anything about. I'm going to get somebody in. But you're constantly growing. And, that, you know, I listen to podcasts every hour of the day, virtually, whether I'm driving or, or walking or running. And I know that's something that you're constantly doing. You're both constantly developing. So um, I suppose final question, where where's Saw going? You know, what are the limits for Saw? What's the plan? And what are the plans for you two as individuals as well? I'd say the best e-commerce growth agency in the world the there next, we go. The next five Said years. it here. Yeah, they... yeah, we've got other stuff going on as well, but Saw, I think, yeah, I mean, we want to be really made, move towards boutique. We want to have a waiting list that's like six months long, people to work with us. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, just quality over quantity, I guess, long term. I think that's the crossroads we've been at recently. Like, a lot of people, I think taking time to reflect on where you actually want to go is an important thing to do. And we hadn't really done that. If we, if we continue on our growth path now, we'd end up with a massive agency with a huge team with loads of clients, which is great if that's what you want. But it, I feel like stepping back and being like, do we want 120 people, a huge HR department, all the all the headaches on alongside all obviously the privileges that brings? Or do we want to keep things small, boutique, focused? I think the culture becomes harder as you get bigger, much harder. So there's that side as well. Um, so I think we're trying to try to move towards that. I think the values all linked together in that as well. Like we will we will have it so that me and Ollie are not needed because our skills and you know a lot of people come to a business because of the founders, where that's not part of it. They come because of the team we've built and all of the values yeah. kind of linked to that because you know we've got constant ideas, other things going on that we want to try and pursue. Not that we find so boring or that we don't want to keep doing it but it's just you know why would you not try and do as much as you as you can in, in your life so personally both want to keep you know developing into other areas of business um we're going much more personal brand focus with your help mm. over the past few months and going forward this year um i think another one we want to yeah. do is from working with a lot of Americans and knowing having a decent network of American people, there's a yeah. This we haven't is, touched on that, but a lot of your clients are in the US, aren't they? Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, one thing that we notice is like what direct consumer e-commerce is is massive in America. It's it's getting big in the UK, but there's a big gap between. The, America has lots of like events, like uh, e-commerce specific events, entrepreneurial events. There's not really anything like that in the UK, so that's something we've we've literally discussed over the last couple of days that we've, I'm very keen to kind of execute on. Great for networking, great for adding, like like create basically the go-to UK e-commerce event where people can kind of come and speak and pass on knowledge. Um, it's building your profiles as well as yeah. thought leaders, isn't it? Which is something so we've that's all something, discussed. Yeah, something else we'd like to do. Yeah, and the other one that, sorry, Ali, the other one that you know, and again, I know we've we've spoken about before is being being the employer of choice as well. And I know, you know, it's getting that message out there, isn't it, so that you're attracting the right people, um, not just to sell to, but to have on your team as well. Yeah, exactly. I feel like feel like treating. um, Obviously, we market ourselves to to sign clients, but I think if you can treat your talent pipeline in the same way, like how you find people. You want to. You've got to. 
you've got to generate leads, whether that's putting job adverts up, whether that's putting content out that shows your place is the best place to work. People then, you, are, you then get people's information, you then have to kind of sell to them, which is an interview. It's as much selling to them as it is them selling to yourself. And then from there, you have to kind of give them a good experience and then you have to retain them exactly the way we would with the clients and try to, te- try to treat ourselves as that is, I think is, a, is, a, is the way we want to move, um, make ourselves a very desirable place to work, which I definitely think is doable. There's just a lot, a lot of things to work on, yeah. uh, as always. And for you personally then, so what, what's your big motivation in all this? Are you going to retire at 30? What, what's, what's the future Ollie aiming for? <laughs> Do you want to go first? Go or on do then, you want me to go first? <laughs> oh, I don't think I'll ever retire, really. Yeah. Um, uh, mainly just because I think when you, as soon as you retire, that's when you start getting old. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of, I kind of seen it. With There's been some great sound bites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my my granddad is another massive inspiration for me. He's he was like a builder. He's worked in one of the hardest you know industries on on your body until he was like 75, and. Um, my grandma as well, you know, worked till she was like 75, 76. I think just seeing that and they didn't want to ever kind of stop because it's, you know, once you kind of stop working, it's like it's a bit boring to live really. So I want to keep working, keep doing these things. I'll leave a bit of a legacy um, to be a bit kind of vague about it. But I kind of want to go where Alex almosi has gone, where, yeah. you know, not like I'd be able to retire when I'm 30, but instead just kind of sit back and Ray Dalio as well is a really good example of that he sees his life in like a few stages where he's now in this stage where he's just going to give everything away that he has like all his knowledge for free or for as minimal cost and then after he's done that kind of sit back and and chill out Um, I don't know if I'll do the chilling out part but basically just keep trying to do cool things yeah. Until I die, really, and sounds pretty good. Yeah, a while, not a while to do them. Yeah, yeah. I, touch on Alex. Alex Hormozzi has a really good video where he literally dives through the idea of like hard work is the goal. Like that's the outcome. It's like you you need to find something that you enjoy the process more than the outcome, because yeah, then the you just want to do it, and you you won't. It doesn't feel like work. You, you don't you don't mind getting up in the morning early and working till late. So I think uh, I probably won't stop doing things. I just I feel like as you progress in age, your interests will change. You'll find out more about yourself as a person, what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. Um, so yeah, we may not do the same thing the whole time, but I think that's that's the that's the thing. Find things that you're passionate in. Like there's there's a lot around like people wanting to work less. Like we had a discussion in the office this week about the four hour four hour four, four day work week, which. <laughs> It's really good in principle, but it doesn't solve the root cause of the problem, which is people doing things they don't enjoy, which obviously is is rich because not everybody can easily move to that straight away. But I think that's something that from like an education standpoint that people should be trying, like instilled in them from a very young age, that that's the most important thing, just finding something you really want to spend six to 12 hours a day working on. You know, it's funny you should mention that. Um, I I was talking about this with my... uh, online membership last week and I was I remember listening to Oprah and Oprah said everybody wants to be Oprah but the bit everyone sees of Oprah is only two percent so the other 98 percent is a load of hard work and a load of grind but for me and something that I always pick a word of the year and and this is where this came from but for me it's about finding that mundane stuff that we all have to do and how you make that fun and how you make that interesting um Again, Oscar, my son, gets fed up with me saying, well, you know, school might be boring, but find ways of making it inspiring. And I think that is something we can do in a day-to-day basis. Yes, the actual job might not be great, what you're actually doing, like you in your back room at the um, investment bank. But are there ways that, you know, if you're working in a great place with great people, then all of a sudden that becomes a much more... Yeah, definitely. Like business is kind of doing the same boring things over and over again to a high standard, and that's like doesn't really change. There's a lot of things we have to do that I really don't like enjoy, like filling in spreadsheets, <laughs> ch- trying to find out where we put receipts from three months ago, um, <laughs> stuff like that. It's just like just not not enjoyable. But um, yeah, you just got to find those. You've got, you're always going to have that in some in some to some degree, but you you've got to find the lanes that you want to be in and spend your time on. Yeah, it's just think think long term, but kind of act short term. Is a way to put it, like 
all the little things that seem a bit rubbish, short term, working towards that long term sort of happiness and vision. That's what we've kind of felt with myself, like a lot of people who are maybe stuck in jobs they don't like. It seems a long way to be like, have my own business. Like that's so far away. But if you just take it like one small step at a time, you know, try and find something, you know, try and work towards leaving your job, like focusing on it like that, it's, it's an easier way to do it. I think people just struggle to kind of close the gap. Yeah. Especially when you're young, you've got to try it when you're young because you've yeah. got low. It might seem like it's a huge risk, but what what's the worst that can happen? You're going to be, you're going to spend a year of your life trying something, then just go and get another job. Like it's not, in my opinion, uh, maybe that's controversial as well. I don't know. <laughs> Should we finish it on yeah. that? Con- finish <laughs> yeah. on that controversial yeah. point. Well, no, it comes back to the fail, doesn't it? You're not failing. You just, you know, you just reframe just it. Learning, yeah. What you're learning, we're all learning every single day. Brilliant. As I said to you, I learn so much from you every time we meet. And uh, I've learned more today, knowing that you had a bikini business, Uh, or nearly had a bikini business, and many, many more things. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation, and I'd love you to join in the conversation as well. The best way to do that is through social media and I can be found at Instagram and Twitter at DO underscore impact. If you'd like to sign up for my newsletter or learn more about my monthly membership, The Impact Club, please visit the website at deborahogden.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of On Brand With... I would so appreciate it if you would rate, review and subscribe to help other people know we exist. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to On Brand With. It was hosted by Deborah Ogden and produced by me, Anthony Short. This has been an A Short Stories production.